I am sure that every single one of our employees is getting solicited by recruiters of other companies all day. And so I don't have the slightest illusion that they're stuck in my company because they don't have any other options. So you have to give people a reason to choose to be at, at your company. And if there's anything more important that you need to do as a leader, I'm not aware of it. Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone, from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between, to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Daniel Chait is the CEO and co-founder of Greenhouse, a leading talent acquisition software company that provides the technology, resources, and expertise to make every company great at hiring. Today, Daniel and I spoke about diversity and bias in hiring, untapped human potential, and the top hiring challenges that companies face today. I'm actually going to start with a question that was not on the sheet that I present you because a couple of days ago you tweeted a list of 39 strange foods that someone had made and you indicated that you'd eaten 33 out of these 39 on the list. So I have guessed which six I know I probably wouldn't eat out of that list and I want to see if I've guessed the right ones that you have. Okay, I'm frantically trying to remember this, but I'll, I'll, I'll count on you to, to, to prompt me. Well, I won't read all 39. Okay, the first one I put is eel. Yeah, absolutely. Love you. Chicken feet. Chicken, yeah, like good stewed chicken feet I've had. Yeah, like Chinese food. Yeah. Excellent. It's, <laughs> okay. It's, I love to cook. Okay. And I love to eat. And I like the bits that are like the grizzly little bits, you know, like okay. the fish cheeks and like the chicken feet and like the little bones and stuff. Like that's my part. So like I'll make old chicken okay. for the family, cut off like a nice big breast, nice big like thigh, give that to the kids, the wife, like the friends. I'm sitting there like gnawing on like the little... <laughs> wing tips and like the pope's nose which is like a little piece of fat at the back of the oh wow spine you're like yeah, a con- connoisseur <laughs> okay how about haggis haggis never had all right so got to take a trip to scotland then that's next on the list as soon as we can take trips to places i'll go fair enough <laughs> um okay three more i have gizzards gizzards yeah like uh like giblets like in in, your, in a gravy okay okay right? Anything yeah, in gravy, I think. The little bits that come inside the plastic in the turkey that you're not supposed to cook. <laughs> right. But you take them out of the bag and then you like chop them up and make a little gravy. All right. Next two, I'll be very surprised at rattlesnake. I've had fried snake. I don't know if it was rattlesnake, but like it's the thing. It tastes like chicken. And the last one is pig's ears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pig's ears. Yeah. That's like Any a normal kind of thing. All the little smoked, chewy, weird parts of pigs. You know, you throw them in a pot of black beans or, you know, fry them, whatever. Fair enough. I'll bring us back onto topic now. So the first thing I wanted to chat with you about today, other than strange food, is what is something that you believe that you believe others in your industry would disagree with you on? It's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we try to do very differently than I think had been done before us is... The central role for business leaders and executives in hiring. And so I think traditionally, you know, our industry sells to recruiters and recruiting teams. And so they think of like recruiting as done as, you know, as the core of it. I actually think when you look at the companies that win for talent, they're great at hiring. The biggest difference is CEO the VP of engineering, the head of sales, like these people are deeply involved in hiring, care a lot about it, talk about it all the time, spend a lot of their time on it. And I think that more than anything is like just an unusual or like an unexpected perspective 
But once you see it, it's like one of those things that once you see it, you kind of can't unsee it. Okay, that makes sense. And so I know like most early stage startups, the CEO will be directly involved with every single hire. Is that something you think should continue as the company grows? Should that never, should that always be something like at what, or at what point do you think that that needs to then be delegated or, or the CEO can no longer have that kind of personal involvement? There's a, obviously like a basic scale issue. So if you're, you know, a hundred thousand person company, you know, there's not enough hours in the day for like the CEO literally to meet every hire. Mm-hmm. Although I have heard like Elon Musk interviews, like, or at least approves every like offer down to like, you know, the maintenance person, you know, like with a wrench in their hand. So you can with, you know, with enough support and like enough automation, you can still like play a role in, in literally every hire. But I think more than that is you have an, a, you have an opportunity as a leader to set the example, to lead by example. And so it's not so much about you being involved in every hire. In fact, at some point, if you have to be involved in every hire, it says like, I don't know, you've really built the system and the culture of the process to handle that type of, that type of scale. Like, why do you have to, like, why are you so special? You have to be involved in everything. But I do think that as a leader, if you're saying like, you know, like, look, like the recruiting team should be sending me the right people. And I, you know, I don't know why they can't do their job. You know, I'm busy. I'm doing my work. You know, I'm, being my Mr. Like big shot. Why can't the recruiters do theirs? And like, send the people, you know, send me the people I need. And it's like, okay. But when, when you opened the role and they asked you about the spec, like what's important in this job and you didn't get back to them or you cut and pasted a job description you read on Google and you're like, here, find me one of these. doesn't really apply to your company. Or I heard a story of an executive hire that was flown in from across the country mm-hmm. to meet with a managing director and the managing director didn't show up in the meeting. Oh, wow. Just ghosted, just said other things that they felt were more important that day. That's like, if you're going to do that as a leader, you can stand up on the podium every day and say, our most important asset is our people and make you yeah. feel good, but like you're not doing it and your company knows that. And so it's not that you have to like meet every candidate exactly, but you have to set the example that hiring is important. And you do need to spend a lot of your time on it. Definitely. If you're going to say that. And even if the CEO is only involved at a larger scale, maybe in hiring the VPs, but there's still that very personal, they're very involved with that. They come out and they announce the person to the company and they're very specific about why and all that kind of stuff. Like you're, you're saying, it sets the example and sets the standard for, for hiring. Absolutely. Like, for example, I read and respond to every Glassdoor review we get. If you look at Greenhouse on, on Glassdoor and read the, the things that employees you know, say about us, maybe the last couple, you know, like at any given time, like I, I'll check in every few weeks, but like I've read and responded to every single one of them and recruits pay attention to stuff. They read, they read it and I'll have in, in interviews, I'll have people routinely bring that up to me and they'll say, oh, I saw that, you know, someone asked this question or said they had this challenge or said this thing they liked about the company and you said this back, like people pay attention to that stuff and you can't fake that. Like they know it's because you're paying attention and you care. And so um, I think that matters. Especially you know, new hires and people that are pr- prospective hires can generally see through, you know, any inauthenticity pretty quickly by just, you know, simple Google searches. And exactly like you said, reading Glassdoor reviews, talking to someone at the company, you learn pretty quickly. And that's, that's super new. I mean, you take that for granted, mm-hmm. you know, today, but I was just telling this story yesterday you know, I graduated college in 1995 and like in just half a career, the difference in what it feels like to be a job seeker is just unbelievable. I mean, I literally went to the bookstore in Ann Arbor 
and they have like a shelf of books called like Job Market Atlanta, Job Market Boston, Job Market Chicago. And you'd like okay. buy a book that had like the names and addresses of companies in that in that town that you could apply to jobs. And it just literally listed the name and the address of the company, like maybe the head of HR's name. Wow. And then you go down to Kinko's and you'd print out some resumes on like ivory colored paper and mail off of 20 of them. Yeah. And sort of like <laughs> hope to get interviewed. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about the culture of the place I was going to interview at because there was no, there was no glass door and I had no way to find out about other job opportunities. Cause it was a huge investment of time and money to like even apply, apply to those places. And by the way, Ben, once I got the job, as a programmer, how many recruiters do you think were reaching out to me every day at work with better job offers? Zero. You're getting a telegram every every month or so? <laughs> I mean, you're joking. But like, I didn't have email at work. Right. True. And there was no LinkedIn. So nobody could get a hold of me. The company is in control. Mm-hmm. And as a job seeker in the beginning of my career, that long ago, <laughs> you just were, you just sort of like had to accept what you were given. And, and, right. and of course, today... Job seekers have all the power, have all the control, and you can opt out completely of the job market and build your own software with free and open source tools mm-hmm. and post it on the internet and sell it to anyone in the world, you know, for, for no money. So you have so much control and so much power, you take it for granted. Of course, I can learn about the culture. Of course, I can read reviews. Of course, I can find out who I know at that company and apply to 100 other jobs. And, and that's wonderful, but it puts a huge amount of pressure on companies yeah. to step it up because now they have to stand out in that world where talented people have all the power. Absolutely. And it reminds me of what I've heard about dating experiences on Tinder and that sort of thing, right? It's you now have the power to Google someone and find out every single thing about them ahead of time. And then you also, even when you're dating them or working at a company, you also can see all your other options all the time. And that then can foster a sense of is this good enough? Did I make the right decision? Did I join the right company? Am I with the right person? And I think that can actually have some negative impact. So I think there's a huge advantage, obviously, now for us to be able to determine the culture of a company ahead of time. But I think it also makes it, like you said, much more pressure on the company, not only to attract people, but then to retain them, especially in the long term. For sure. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie The Matrix? Yeah, of course. So you know the scene where he's like, he sees sort of the world and then like, he starts to see this like cascade of green yeah. numbers kind of falling down and it's sort of like he sees through the world and there's this data behind it. Like when I walk around my company, I look around, I almost imagine this cascade of like recruiter emails falling down on everyone's head at all yeah. times because that's the world we're in. It's like, yeah. I'm sure that every single one of our employees is getting solicited by recruiters about their companies all day. And so I don't have the slightest illusion that they're stuck in my company because they don't have any other options. So I try to hire really talented people and yeah. Really talented people, by definition, are you know are, are able to go kind of do other things. And so you have to give people a reason to choose to be at, at your company. And if there's anything more important that you need to do as a leader, I'm not aware of it. It's a great point. And I think it's, like you said, it's the sign of a great team. Like if you've hired great people, they're going to get recruited. So you should hope that your people are trying to get recruited. And you should hope that they are continually choosing to stay at your company. So you started Greenhouse to make companies great at hiring. Is part of your mission also to get candidates great at getting hired? I think there are two sides of the same coin. Why are you trying to help companies get great at hiring? The conversation we were having a minute ago, it's about, you know, they're faced with these pressures. It's an important business objective of theirs to get talent. All that stuff is true. But the sort of higher purpose of it, the deeper meaning of it that you're getting at is there's this deep frustration I feel around the squandering of human potential that goes on in the workplace. Great way to put it. Every day, you know, hundreds of millions of people all over the world 
can't get the job that they deserve, don't have access to the right opportunities. There are teams inside of every organization who are not able to find the right person, put them in that one great opportunity for them that's going to unlock the power of the team. And like when you've had that great experience, when you've when you've connected the right people together and built a great team, or when you've been given a great opportunity to join an amazing team and do what you're meant to do, like it's such a special thing. It's such a great mm-hmm. opportunity. And and there's so many barriers to that coming true. You know, we've chosen helping companies improve how they hire is like our mission to achieve that. But there's there's a lot there. I mean, there's breakdowns in the educational and the job market. There's discrimination yep. across society that like puts barriers up and, and limits people's ability to, to free up their own, their own potential. So there's tons and tons of, of opportunities out there to make improvements in life. But what we identified was systematically companies struggle to hire and, and they over and over again, despite the fact that their leaders love to say how important it is, mm-hmm. can't get there. And it's just too hard. And and that burden falls. It's not just a company problem. It's not just, oh, you lack revenue. You're not going to hit your Q3 goals or whatever. It's, those are true too. But the burden of that failure falls on, on individuals. And as a job seeker, when you don't hear back after an interview that you really wanted and you tried your hardest for it and you got dressed up and you practiced and they just ghost you, like that sucks. Absolutely. You know, or when a more qualified person isn't hired, but you know, in favor of a less qualified person. And, and it's because of bias, you know, because they think that an engineer should be a man, you know, or because you yeah, can go to the right school. Like that's terrible. That's cr- that, that can have, that can reverberate all through your life and um, Absolutely. You know, matter to your health and to your family. So, yeah, I think so. It's a great point. I think it's true of almost any industry. Like I think the biggest is such a problem with just squandered human potential for all these ridiculous reasons that should not be reasons for that. I think about that in, in all sorts of industries, even, you know, definitely in, in hiring and at companies, but even in the arts and in all sorts of things. It's like who exists out there that it would be incredible at this thing were they just given the opportunity to do so. And if there's ever like a fire that you need to keep yourself going and doing what you're doing, I think that's it. Like that's such an amazing problem to be able to work on solving. For sure. Yeah, no, it really is to me a passion and, and something that really motivates me. And so thanks for identifying that. And, you know, obviously ooh, I think we have an important role to play in, in helping companies change how they hire and, and, and get more sophisticated and more capable and more objective in how they hire, but there's much more to it. Talking about diversity and inclusion in, in, in hiring, there's still, you know, it's 2020. It shouldn't be as, as much of a problem today as, as, as it is, but it still is a problem for many companies. Lots of companies kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with the CEO being involved with hiring. Like you can pay lip service to it. You can talk about it, but um, you have to set the example, lead through action. You know, why do you think it's still something companies struggle with today? And what is maybe one thing that those companies could start doing, you know, on a short term basis to get the ball? rolling or to start seeing some improvement yeah there's, there's not there's not one single answer to why is it why is it still a struggle today you don't have a quick fix for all diversity <laughs> and inclusion you can yeah, share I mean, with everyone right you know, today. unfortunately there's not there's not just a sound bite i think it's hard for a lot of reasons there's some basic brain wiring in all of us fundamental to how we perceive the world and how we form ideas and think that's just not your friend it doesn't help you make good ideas uh, or, or, or it doesn't help you form good decisions all the time. You know, your lizard brain forms snap judgments subconsciously without you even trying. 
And then your frontal cortex, your, your, your higher order brain, works really hard to try to think of reasons why that decision that your lower brain already made, you know, it should be expressed. Justified. And you see that in all kinds of ways. So there was a famous study at Yale University where they demonstrated this idea about shifting criteria uh, in hiring. So basically the idea is that, you know, your brain, your lizard brain has ideas about who's fit for a job and makes those decisions. And then you decide afterwards what those criteria are. Mm. And the experiment was basically like they would show people resumes for a stereotypically male job. I think it was like a police chief. And they say, who do you think is better for this police chief job? And typically they would substitute the name at the top of the resume. And typically more people would choose the the male sounding name right. for the role. Most of us have never hired a police chief. So obviously it wasn't based on any you know real experience at that hiring. It was based on your bias, your implicit bias. And then when asked why, nobody would have said, well, it's because I think a man should be a police chief. They would give reasons like they had more experience or they had more uh, you know, a, a better educational background. Right. Well, when they shift the resumes, you know, they, they change the resumes to put the man's name on top of the other one, then the reasons would change with it. And so I like this person because they had, you know, more educational background and not more experience. And so, you know, experience, experiments like that really do show quite demonstrably that these biases exist in all of us. It's not that they happen to find bad people to take the study. Like we're all subject to these things because of the world around us and the things that we see. Mm -hmm. But there's hope too, because that same study, they showed that if you first talk to the subject participants about their criteria, Mm -hmm. so you don't show them resumes yet, you say, hey, we want to hire a police chief. What do you think is more important, educational experience or real world experience? And they give you an answer doesn't matter what the answer is, they then will choose the resumes that best match that criteria, Interesting. regardless of the gender of the applicant. And so you can sort of, if you're clever about it, you can sort of help combat some of the things that are built in within us. So there's hope, but I think that also illustrates some of the challenges. Like there's a lot of nuance in how these things work and, and our brains are not always our friends. Absolutely. Uh, more often than not, <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's important to systematize, right? How you're evaluating everything and building in these, building in systems to counteract those subconscious indicators and make sure that everything is uh, a level playing field. Yeah. I and mean, it just turns out that there's a million and one different interaction points that people have and, and our, and our biases just get in the way of that. And so th- there's a lot more to it. I mean, I gave yeah. kind of one, one example, one example of why these right. things are so hard. But I think there's a lot of cause for optimism. And I think um, yeah, I read one time that, that's always stuck with me is this idea, you know, you have to hold two ideas in your head at the same time if you're going to make progress. Things can be both bad and getting better. And so you don't necessarily, you know, feel like, oh, there's all these problems in the world and it's true. And those problems are real and there's tragedy playing out every day. And at the same time, you can say, well, 100 years ago or, you know, 50 years ago, you know, things were, were worse. Yeah. And so I think in, in this book, I read Factfulness, where I read that, that quote, they talked about infant mortality stats. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that every year today, millions of, of children die before the first birthday. And each one of those is an unimaginable tragedy. You can imagine if you or your family went through something like that, how, how horrifying that would be. And yet, if you go back 50 years, there's like way, way more infant mortality. Yeah. Infant mortality has been down and down and down in a straight line for decades upon decades. And that's huge progress. And so it's unquestionably bad what's happening now, but it's also much better than it used to be. And so if you take that mindset, it really does give you the ability to make a lot of progress. I agree. I think as long as the trends are are looking good, then it's a good sign. Like that's the most important thing. 
On the topic of progressing and getting better, Kevin Chu, who's the uh, one of the Catalyst co-founders and, and a former Greenhouse team member, suggested I, I ask what the biggest hiring mistake that you ever made as a CEO and what you learned from it. <laughs> hiring is hard. Like hiring is hard, and you know, I never want to put myself out as like, oh, I do it well, and I should listen to me and watch what I do. Like, it's just hard. You're dealing with, you know, big decisions about how is someone going to perform over many years, right? And potentially in a role where you have a few hours uh, with them to assess, and so you just always don't have enough information, you know, to know. I think the times where I've probably gotten it the most wrong is where you succumb to that pressure um, that everyone feels when they've got an open job to like make a hire when in your, in your sort of gut, you know, there's problems, you know, it's, this one's not, not feeling great, but man, we've been looking a really long time. This number that we got to hit is really big. And if I don't start the person now, I'm already behind. And so you kind of, you know, sort of sacrifice and, and you go for good enough. And, um, you know, yeah, you kind of make an excuse like, oh, you know what, like we can train the person or we can support them and coach them. I have a growth mindset, but there's some things where you really can't count on that as a bandaid. And I think, I think the times where I've succumbed to that pressure that we all feel to fill a role with someone who you don't think has the strengths to really do the job, you end up paying the price and you feel really good once you can close out the rack and make the hire. Like, ah, oh, finally, I got this person. Yeah. And you can kind of get to this point where you convince yourself that it's going to work, uh, but it always turns out to be a bad trade in the long run. It's interesting. Is there, talking about lizard brain stuff, I think we recognize that there, it does some bad, right? It can cause us to have these unconscious biases that can impact who we hire, how we hire. But, you know, you mentioned kind of gut feel just now. And I think, you know, there's definitely some positive things that we get from our instincts, our lizard brain, our, our gut feel about certain people or situations too. Um, and we don't want to lose those by over-systemizing, systematizing, I always get that word wrong, our hiring processes. So curious if you, if that's something you've thought about and if there's some sort of hybrid approach or at what point do you go from, okay, we've accounted for all of these, you know, factors like name, gender, all these sorts of things to finalize maybe the top three candidates. Now we go to the human stage where they meet eight members of our team and those team members, you know, give their feedback. Like, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that there's ultimately there's no substitute for taste and judgment. And, you know, these are at the end of the day, human decisions. There's no math equation that anyone can give you that, that proves to you who the right person is, you know, to hire for a given job. That might be one of those things that I believe that others in our industry don't. I think you see a lot of attempts to do that. We're going to quantify and we're going to tell you that, you know, Sally's a 98.2 and Jane's a 98.7 and you should hire Jane. It's like, I don't know. So I think with structure and data, you can get, you can get good. You can get down to like a sensible set of things that you ought to be considering but then you got to consider them. And just like in other areas of business, sales, marketing, product, strategy, whatever, you know, you, you have to have a good brain and think good thoughts. Like, hiring is no different. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if you're able to be clear-eyed about what's important, you'll make better decisions. What are you most excited about for 2021? Well, now I'm worried that, um, you know, if I, if I don't want to jinx it, like I don't want there to be another 2020. I was excited about 2020. Yeah, fair enough. But let's think, let's, <laughs> let's, think positive, let's think positively. On the work side, you know, in 2021, we're going to be hosting our first ever online Greenhouse Open. 
So we have this big annual conference called Greenhouse Open where we get our whole community together, our customers and partners and our employees. And, 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 you know, we have, you know, really great energy coming out of that event, you know, year in and year out. But this year we're, we're planning to do it online. You know, we don't know what's going to be in store for us in 2021. And so we're planning to do it in a new way. Last year we had it in the Javits Center by contrast. And that was amazing, you know, and a, you know, a really unique experience. But when you host it online, it gives you all new possibilities. And so we'll have many more people attend Mm -hmm. and we can do a lot more kind of different kinds of format and and, and content. So I think it'll be an awesome event and um, we're going to have to stretch ourselves and kind of be really creative in terms of how do we put on an event at the level of like quality that we expect, but in this totally new, new format. So that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to that in 2021 on the personal front i'm looking about to restaurant <laughs> uh so maybe one day definitely that's the goal and the hope for now it's uh, back to the stove seven days a week oh, i'm sure you have plenty of gizzard to keep you full for the uh, for the winter <laughs> if, uh, last question i ask this to everyone who comes on the podcast if you were hosting what product would you want to be sponsored by if it meant you could get an unlimited free supply Ooh, that's a good one I mean, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be whiskey. I'm a whiskey guy. Oh, yeah? So I need. I would need to be sponsored by McCallum. Okay, yeah, nice. That's a, that's a good choice. Hit them up and we'll, we'll have you back on if I can secure them. Done. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and it was, it was a blast speaking with you. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend or two, or 10. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. I love you. <laughs>